Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Dana Gunders to the show. Dana serves as ReFed's executive director. Dana is a national expert and one of the first to bring to light just how much food is wasted across the country. For almost a decade, she was a senior scientist at the Natural Resources Defense Council, also known as NRDC. She then launched Next Course LLC to strategically advise on the topic. Some of her career highlights include the authoring of the landmark Wasted Report and Waste-Free Kitchen Handbook, launching the Save the Food campaign, testifying in Congress, consulting to Google, appearing on John Oliver, and perhaps most importantly, being a founding board member of ReFed. Dana, how are you doing today? Great, Raj. Thank you for having me. Dana, thank you for being on. Dana, where in the world are you? I'm based in Northern California. Um, and yeah, and in my home, of course, these days, as, as, as everyone. And how's the weather in Northern California? It's beautiful. Yeah, we're lucky to have beautiful weather and a space to go outside. So I can't complain, all things considered. And how are you holding up during this pandemic? You know, like I said, I, I can't complain. Um, I have healthy kids, a job, and a place to go outside. So I, I wish it, it were different out there in the world, but um, I, I feel very fortunate. Thank you for asking. I'm glad to hear that. So Dana, I like to open my show by asking my guests the following question. If you were asked to share something interesting about yourself, what would it be? Um, interesting. Well, I guess one little interesting factoid is that I once rode my bike around seven countries in Asia. Which countries? <laughs> um, Southeast Asia. So Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, then into China, Pakistan, and India. And what motivated you to do that? Oh, I think, you know, it was about 15 years ago now, but um, I was just looking to see the world and, and go on an adventure and just learn more about how people lived. And how long did it take you? Eight months. That's pretty amazing. And <laughs> did you feel safe during the entire journey? Uh, I did. I did. Um, yep, we felt safe. We were just blown away by by the kindness of of people all over the world. It's pretty amazing. I have um, a group of friends back home in London that drove from London to India. Now, obviously, they crossed the channel by boat, but they told me that as soon as they crossed the uh, Pakistan and India border, they sold the car and went their separate ways because they were tired of each other. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah, that can happen to you, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> So I appreciate you sharing that. So changing gears a little bit, can you share a little bit about your current endeavor? Absolutely. Um, I work with an organization called ReFed. We are a nonprofit that is wholly dedicated to reducing the amount of food that goes to waste around the U.S. It's an issue I've been working on for about a decade now myself, um, and at ReFed, we really focus on data-driven solutions and driving businesses um, and other decision makers to adopt the solutions that we know work. Now, I did some homework regarding ReFed, and it's quite amazing. Can you share some information regarding the 
roadmap? Absolutely. Yeah. Refed was actually founded um, as a report, not an organization. So back in 2016, um, well, 2014, really, uh, a group got together, myself included, and started working on an analysis that would, you know, what we found was that people, that people were aware that a lot of food was going to waste in the country, um, but they didn't necessarily know what to do about it. And so we conducted an analysis that looked at 27 different solutions and did a cost benefit analysis Um of how much food each solution would actually save and how much it would cost or save in dollars to implement those solutions. And that let, um, that was published as what we called the roadmap. Um, and, and after that, it, it just got so much traction and people were really um, motivated by the solutions, wanted more information, wanted collective action to drive advancement in some cases. And so that kind of led to different projects and ultimately Refed becoming its own organization. Um, we actually just got our 501c3 last year. So um, we're a relatively young organization, kind of small but mighty. I like to say we have 12 employees and um, we are actually in the process of creating the second edition of that roadmap uh, except that instead of creating a report, we are evolving to be a living, breathing online data center that will have much more granular information on how much food is going to waste and in what products and um, what geographies, and as well as uh, an expanded set of solutions that we're analyzing and, and a much more interactive kind of approach to how people can access information on which solutions are relevant for them. So a couple of questions. You mentioned the 5013C. Do you take donations from the general public and from companies too? Um, we, we typically do not take kind of like approach the general public for donations. However, right now we have a fund that is not to raise money for refed, but actually to raise money um, for some of the food rescue efforts that are happening on the ground and other efforts that are trying to, uh, we're hearing a lot about food going to waste in this pandemic. And so we've created a fund that's a hundred percent passed through um, to projects that are trying to, stop food from growing to waste on the ground and get it to people. And um, so we actually do have a, a way for the public to donate to that. So I will put a link to that in the show notes after the, you know, when we're done here. Second question I had is that you're putting together this data center. Is that for public consumption, for research or for companies? Uh, I would say it's for all of the above. You know, we've found even with the data we have out there now, it gets used by all sorts of different people, um, sustainability managers and companies who want to kind of make the case for the company taking more action to reduce the amount of food going to waste. Um, will often take our information and make their own slides and, and use it to make the case. We've seen a lot of entrepreneurs use it as they create a solution that might tackle one of the issues. They'll use it to, to size the market for themselves. Um, and then we've seen the media use it a lot. Kind of often when you read about food going to waste um, and, and articles around it, they'll take our data as sort of some of the grounding data for that. And, um, 
and policymakers and governments as well to, to give them a sense. Our other, our other group is investors, um, whether they be like philanthropists investing in nonprofit organizations or um, private investors investing in companies. They, they like to sort of take that lay of the land that we provide and figure out, well, you know, where, where should I be focusing? If I want to work on this issue, where should I focus? Um, and, and so we found our data to be helpful in that as well. So you mentioned the current pandemic we're in and some of the issues around food waste. You know, as individuals, what can we do to perhaps be aware of our own habits regarding food waste? There is so much we can do as individuals. And in fact, um, we in our homes and households in the U.S. contribute more food waste than restaurants, retailers, farms, any of the above, um, you know, collectively. And so it actually is really important that we start paying more attention to it. And I think during this pandemic, we've started to see that happen quite naturally, Um you know, some of the best things you can do to waste less food in your home are things like planning meals ahead um, and then actually trying to follow some of those plans, but kind of being careful with your shopping. And, and so now with people forced to sort of um, put orders in as they order online or for curbside pickup days in advance, I think we are seeing that people are planning more. Um, another Another really helpful um, habit is to use your leftovers and get creative with sort of those bits and pieces in your fridge. And I know I've been seeing, you know, the New York Times cooking their their headline recipe is like no waste stir fry. And they're just kind of really promoting um, these these dishes that can kind of use up anything. Um, and I know that just as people don't want to go to the store as often, they are really trying to stretch their food further. And that is a great pattern um, that leads to less food going to waste. The other thing I'll say is that freezing food is a really effective strategy, especially if you've made too much and you know, you're starting to get sick of the leftovers a day or two later. Um, popping those in the freezer can be just helpful. And I think not everyone thinks to do that always. So thank you for explaining that. You know, question I have regarding data also is that, has there been an increase in consumer food waste over time? Um, we think that there has. So data on this topic is pretty scant, but um, Certainly, as we look across the whole food system, we see that compared with the 1970s, we waste about 50% more per person in this country um, than, than happened then. And so, you know, whether that's happening in homes or not, uh, we don't have great data on, but certainly given that households are the number one contributor um, it's likely that they are. And and also just when you look at when you look at tendencies these days in homes, they are more likely to lead to waste than they would have been back in the 70s. You know, it really is a fascinating topic. You know, it, it boils down to behavior. It also boils down to mindset. You get um, things like scarcity and abundance coming into play. I find myself being more aware, especially since I've you know launched this show and been involved in the in the industry more aware of our own personal habits. I even 
try to track it on the other end. So today's Monday and we usually put our trash out on Mondays. And so I try to see how many bags of trash I'm putting out. You know, we have a family of five, but from just a sheer waste generation standpoint, do you partner with any other organizations to help consumers perhaps get a better, you know, grasp on how much food they're wasting? Um. So we have not, at, at Refed, we have not focused very heavily on consumer and household waste. Um, we've been more focused on the supply chain and um, kind of at the decision maker level. But uh, I will say that in, in my previous work, I focused heavily on consumers and what they can do in their homes to waste less food. Um I, I wrote a book called The Waste-Free Kitchen Handbook that is just, you know, a, com- a complete book solely dedicated to giving people strategies and some of that detailed information around how to waste less food, um, all the way down to product-specific information of like what you can do when you're holding a, a wrinkled tomato in your hands and you don't know what to do with it, right? Can you eat it? Can you not? What? should you make with it? those sort of questions? Because I think a lot of times it does come down to those details. You know, nobody wakes up wanting to waste food that day. It just kind of happens. And so um, trying to help people think ahead a little bit, but also giving them those, what I call emergency use it up measures that can salvage things as they get to their end of their life. Um, I will say another another uh, campaign that I've been involved in is called Save the Food, um, and you can find it at savethefood.com, and that has a lot of similar information as is in my book around where you can actually look up different products um, and see, you know, how long should you store them for? Can you freeze them? How do you freeze them? Um, what does it mean if they have brown spots on them? <laughs> that sort of information that I think can be helpful helpful at the really granular level. Um, as well as, sorry, just one more piece on that. Save the Food um, does have a variety of assets, um, outreach materials that others can go onto the site and download and use. There are produce guides, you know, summer and spring produce guides that have similar information on how to store different um, items. There's things about the date labels on food and other, you know, meal planning, other like strategies and information that can be helpful. Thank you so much. And I'll put links to everything in the show notes. So it's obvious that you're very passionate about this subject. And the crux of our conversation is the why behind what you do. So what, what drives you? What motivates you? There's obviously an opportunity cost for you to be doing this in particular. So what, what, what keeps you engaged in this, this particular field? Look, we waste about 40% of all our food in the U.S. And I think that is just the dumbest problem we have around. I mean, it has huge implications in terms of its um, greenhouse gas footprint, its water footprint, and not to mention all of the wasted nutrition. And um, and and in fact, um a group called Project Drawdown has actually identified it as the number one solution to um, to climate or climate mitigation um, is to waste less food, um, and it just is such a stupid problem, in my opinion. Right? It's such a you know nobody wants to waste food, um, and it's just a very solvable 
thing to work on. So I think that's that's part of what keeps me motivated. I really, I actually studied energy efficiency uh, in my academics. And to me, this is a very parallel problem to energy efficiency, but for the food sector. You know, they're both, both food and energy are resource intensive products that are looking ahead at a growing population that has um, kind of higher demands along with it. And so, you know, they're looking at a huge growth in demand. And in energy, we've seen a lot of focus on addressing that demand through efficiency first. And we just haven't seen that level of focus in food as much. Um, and it's it's not really seen as an efficiency problem in the same way. But so that's, you know, for me, that's what motivates me is like, I just think growing food and everything it takes to grow food to have it not be eaten in a world where we're looking at a growing population that's going to need more food is actually um, a really just kind of silly problem to have. And and we should all just fix this one because it's one of the easier ones to fix. I like that so much. And you mentioned Project Drawdown. Can you share what Project Drawdown is for those that might not be familiar? Sure. Yeah. Project Drawdown um, was an effort by a whole grand team of scientists around the world, actually, to identify um, the top solutions to climate change. And they first came out with 100. And I think in their newer edition, they, they've um, narrowed it to 76 solutions. And and it's a, a fairly rigorous scientific effort. Um, and frankly, even surprised me when in this new version of it, um, reducing food waste came out as the number one solution. You know, I, I, I've always known it's had a big impact, but um, to be kind of put above something like wind or solar was, was surprising to me. And I have a copy of the book right here on my desk. And it's interesting you say that because when I received the book last fall, I was surprised to see that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the reason, I mean, just to kind of elaborate on that a little bit, is that food is an enormously resource intensive thing to produce, right? And um, we don't think of it that way when we sit down to eat at our tables necessarily. But um, when you think about everything it takes to produce food, and you think that we're producing, you know, globally about 30% more than we need to be, that has a huge impact. So you mentioned the efforts on the consumer end and, you know, perhaps some of the things that we can do. What are some of the things being ad- addressed on the producer end? Well, it's an interesting question to ask right in this moment, because um, if anyone who's been kind of reading the news has likely seen some of these photos of just thousands of gallons of milk being dumped or um, acres and acres and acres of produce just perfectly good produce being left on the fields. Um, that's not normal. Um, it does happen. It certainly does happen even in a normal year, but the volumes of it that are happening right now are, are quite exceptional. Um, and so, you know, what is, but I think some of the solutions that are coming together right now could last beyond, um, beyond this crisis and also illuminate some of the causes. So one thing we've seen is that the food system is very specialized. And in being so specialized, it is quite rigid. And so where companies have come in and and had a flexible model, those companies are doing quite well. So I'll give you an example. Um, there's a company called Imperfect Foods. They take 
boxes of produce and and they've been sort of created to take whatever is surplus or things that maybe an apple's not quite as red or as round, um, you know, funny shapes, funny sizes of things, and they'll box it up and they ship it to people's doors directly to consumers. Well, they're kind of flexible because they've built their model to take you know, what's available and ask consumers which of that they want and then send it directly to them. So when this pandemic started and all of the farmers had a lot of extra food, they were able to take some of that and just put it in their box. Um, whereas a, whereas another business that's strictly focused on providing, you know, lettuce, romaine hearts to um, hospitals or something like that, it has a much harder time just switching gears. So that flexibility, um, I think is one thing that we're going to see. It's We're seeing different platforms pop up right now that I think will be a solution that lasts into the future. Um, the other thing we're seeing is more capacity being built in the food rescue system. So in the food, food banks, um, you know, they are asking for money right now for more cold storage so they can store more of this food. And um, there are there are systems being built right now to get even more food into the food banking system, which is another solution that I think um, will last beyond the immediate needs of this crisis. Thank you for that. Do you have any thoughts around vertical farming? Um, you know, I think it's interesting. Um, I haven't done, you know, the real sort of life cycle analysis to have thought through all of the impacts, but it seems to me like there's like a handful of crops that it works really well for. Um, and where you can have production right next to use and really shorten that supply chain. Um, and, and that sort of allows for people to harvest to what the demand is directly. I think it has, it, has the potential to have really positive impacts um, in terms of reducing waste for those products. But I don't think it's going to be, you know, a, a catch-all solution because just different products require different things in the way they're grown. Thank you for that. And, you know, you mentioned the uh, misfit or imperfect foods. I also have this fascination with the misfit foods and, you know, how we all have these perfect tomatoes and apples showing up at the stores and, I did some research late last year, and I was shocked at the amount of food, quote-unquote ugly food, a misfit food that goes to waste just because it's not aesthetically pleasing, but you know is, is nutritionally as dense or as great as any other food. So thank you for sharing that also. So Dana, what, if, what are some of the big learnings you've had over this time that you spent in this area of food waste? Um, big learnings. I, I guess I would say that... Um you know, they, they sort of fall into different categories. Personally, my biggest learning is that I do much better when I keep my refrigerator relatively empty. Um, and so I started off, as many people I think, with tending to have a fairly full refrigerator. And now since I've been working on this topic, I'm much more I used to be kind of stressed out and my refrigerator got too empty and now I'm stressed out when it's too full. So that's been a shift for me. Um Personally, I think more broadly speaking, um, you know, despite, I would say, the relatively straightforward nature of this issue, and um, oftentimes it even has, you know, it's aligned financially, there's actually financial savings with working on it. 
Um, it's been, progress has been slow. And I think partially that's because there's no, even though it has like all this potential financially and environmentally and socially, um, there's no real fire under anyone's feet about it. And I think that um, the lack of fire is something that makes progress slower. Um, so I think that's been a big learning that it requires patience. And um, fundamentally in this country, uh, food is relatively inexpensive as compared with things like labor and real estate and even like marketing concerns or um, fear of losing a customer. And so those have been the challenges that um, that even when people want to work on this topic, they sometimes run a, run up against those competing priorities or those competing costs that can be challenging. And the last thing I'll say is that, you know, trying to fix food waste, we talk about it as if it's this one problem, but in fact, it is what you're really, in order to fix it, you're sort of fixing the whole food system. And that looks very different for a tomato than it does a burger. And it looks very different at the farm than it does at a restaurant. And, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty complex set of activities that need to happen. So the more um, sophisticated we get in, in kind of breaking it apart into all of those pieces, I think the more accessible it feels as something for people to, to work on and, and adopt some of those solutions. Thank you so much for that. Now, you mentioned earlier you have children, and so it's just you and I on the call here. I have three young ones. How do I transition them from opening a fridge and looking in there and seeing a full fridge to a partially empty fridge? <laughs> um, well, I didn't have to transition mine because I they, they've sort of started off that way. Um, but I, you know, little by little, make sure there's something in there for them. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be many, many things in there. I, I think is the more we can plan again, the better we can sort of lay out the actual meals that we want to be eating and we want our kids to be eating and make those foods available, whether it's meals or snacks. Um, we can do a lot of that without having it have to be really full. Thank you. And so a question I like to end with is, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? Now, I want to caveat with, you've sprinkled this entire conversation with different kinds of advice, especially for the consumer. So I appreciate that. But some concrete words of wisdom or advice, what would it be? Um, I would say that if you're interested in improving your own footprint around food waste, um, just think of it as a journey. You know, it does not have to be the, um, you don't have to be perfect. Do, you know, improving just a little bit does make a difference. Um, it can also be really fun. So, you know, it can be just looking at tips and tricks and new recipes. And um, and it's something that I've seen a lot of people have quite a bit of fun with. So um, don't chastise yourself too much. Just keep trying to do your best and, um, you know, make it delicious. Thank you for that, Dana. I've so enjoyed speaking with you. Is there anything that we have not explored that you'd like to talk about before we go? I would just end by saying, you know, no matter, a lot of people focus on buying organic products and sustainable farming as being a focus. And I, 
I, I think that's important as well. But what I would say is no matter how sustainably we produce our food, if we don't actually eat it, it's a terrible use of resources. Just keep that in mind next time you go to the store. Thank you so much, Dan. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thanks so much, Raj. Thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, please give us a rating and review at Apple Podcast. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production. And if you want to show your support and help us grow, please share with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle.